Welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we make sure you know there's more going on than you can see or hear. If this podcast episode helps you, would you consider leaving us a review on the app or platform you're using to listen? We appreciate it. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake. And now, your host, Larry Ragland. Well, hello and welcome in to another edition of The Big Picture with Larry Ragland. It's been a while since we did a YouTube video. Been very busy. Uh, just got back from a missions trip to the nation of Peru. It was just incredible. We took a team uh, to Peru, went up into the mountains of Cusco, where it gets extremely cold, ministered to children, um, took shoes to put on the feet of children, Many of them never had a pair of shoes. Some of them, first pair of new shoes that they've ever had. Uh, blankets, hats. It was just an incredible, incredible trip. And I'm glad to be uh, back. It was a tremendous, successful trip. Thank God for all the souls that were saved. Um, all the miracles that we saw happen. Yes, I still believe in miracles. If you're watching this show and you don't believe in miracles, hey, ain't got nothing, I, I ain't got nothing to say to you other than you need to read your Bible. Uh, but uh, I believe in miracles. So we saw bona fide, verified miracles. You know, there's the old saying says, a man with an argument is always at the mercy of a man with an experience. You can argue me, 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 me all day long uh, and try to quote scripture all you want to, uh, but it ain't going to work with me because I can quote scripture like, you know, by his stripes we are healed and, you know, these things that you see me do, Jesus said, greater shall you do if I go to my father. I'm still a believer in miracles because I've experienced miracles in my own life, and I've seen them. I've witnessed them. We've seen blinded eyes open. We've seen deaf ears unstop. It's just incredible, incredible to see those kind of miracles happen right before your very eyes. We cast the devil out of one lady that had a tormenting spirit on her. Man, if you were in that room, and several were in that room, they'll never forget what happened. But I'm excited to be back at the big picture and in the studio to talk to you about issues. And today's topic is, uh, uh, I think, a topic that is very fitting. We're going to talk about the condition of the country that we're in, con the condition of the world that we're in. And I'll just tell you right now, um, you know, America's in a mess. The world's in a mess. Every time you turn around almost on a daily basis now you're hearing about mass shootings you're hearing about the things that are going on with abortion the things that are going on uh with quite frankly the um lgbtqia plus whatever uh community and not that was not a hateful sp speech what i just said um but the reality is uh we're being inundated by an agenda the transgender movement all this uh, we're seeing kids going to uh, being taken by their parents to drag queen shows, and the list goes on and on. So the topic of today's YouTube and podcast on the big picture is, has the glory departed from this nation? Has the protected hand of God been removed from this nation? Is it going to get worse before it gets better? So today we're going to talk about what happens when the glory departs. What happens when God lifts his hand? We're going to get into it and 
in probably just a few seconds. Stay tuned. Share this broadcast. Oh, yeah. So let's get into this topic today. You know, at the time of this taping, we're, we're talking about mass shootings. You know, we all remember Columbine. We all remember the shock and all that happened to all of us when that horrible tragedy happened in that school system out in Colorado. Uh, and, you know, there's been school shootings. There's been mass shootings. There's been shootings in restaurants, uh, shootings in uh, movie theaters. There's been it's just been unbelievable the things that we've all endured uh, since those time in the nineties. But um, you know, there seems to be there was a sort of a lull there, not really ever stopped, but a lull in the sense that you know you were not inundated every day with a school shooting, and then just seems like in the last year, year and a half, it has just gone to another level. The destruction, the death that is happening all around us. You know, we just saw the. Uh, the time of this taping not long ago, the the horrible, horrible um, tragedy of, you know, Uvalde, um, Texas, Buffalo, New York, the church shooting in California, and just right here, you know, we're home-based in Birmingham, Alabama. We just had a church shooting here happen this week uh, in Alabama where an elderly man walked into an elderly gathering, quite frankly, of people doing to a potluck lunch and uh, at a church here in Birmingham and began shooting people. Now, think about this. This man's in his 70s, and everybody that is a victim, at least three were killed. They were in their 70s and 80s. You've lived your life 70 and 80 years. You've gone through all these things. You've gone through world wars. You've gone through um, just, you know, raised in an environment where you've seen so many things that you've had to face just come out of COVID, all this kind of stuff. You survived all of that only to die at the hand of a gunman who's in his 70s and 80s himself. We don't know the details yet. That's not been revealed here in Birmingham motive and all of that. But let me just tell you something. The motive in the natural is one thing, but um, we know the origin of it. The origin of it is we, we fight a devil that's very, very real. Uh, and, and, you know, the Bible tells us that he comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. So, you know, I think one of the podcasts I've done in the past, that's got a lot of feedback is, you know, the devil is very happy for you not to believe in him. And I'm going to tell you, that's one of the problems that we have is that, you know, we want to believe in a concept of God. We want to say that we believe in a higher power or something up there the good Lord or the universe or whatever, but we don't want to believe in evil. We don't want to believe in the devil and we don't want to believe in a God that is supposed to be a loving God that would send us to a place of torment like hell. But can I tell you something? You know, if there is a God, there is a devil. If there is uh, a heaven, there is a hell. And I want you to know that there is a heaven and there is a hell. There is a God and there is a devil. We, we are in a war, y'all. I mean, literally, we are in a spiritual war that is global. You know, there's world wars that happen in the natural, and they're some of the most tragic things that we've ever experienced as humanity. 
But the reality is this, world wars in the natural are a manifestation of what is happening, not just in the world that we live in, but the realm of the spirit realm as well is spilling into the natural. There is something called a spiritual warfare. And and I want you to know that, you know, throughout scripture and that, you know, I'm a pastor, I, I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm a, on here on YouTube and uh, influencer. <laughs> it's funny to even say that, that, that I could ever be that I'm not saying that I am. I'm just saying that I'm on YouTube. I'm on a podcast. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm doing everything I can do to get the gospel out using every means that I can to get the gospel out unashamedly. Uh, but let me just tell you something long before there was a YouTube long before there was a podcast long before there was Facebook long before there was any kind of media whatsoever. There's always been this battle, this, this spiritual warfare battle. And I think one of the problems is we've, we've, we've become uh, a church now that don't want to talk about spiritual warfare. We don't want to talk about the fact that uh, there is a devil. We don't want to talk about the fact there are demons. You know, I just said we was on that mission trip. We was in this room praying for this lady, this elderly lady who had cancer, who was dying for cancer. We thought we was going to the room just to, 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 to pray for uh, her to, to go peacefully uh, as can in cancer. And of course, everything's in Spanish. We're going through an interpreter and we pray for her. Uh, one of the team members prayed very powerful prayer of healing and, and rest and, you know, God, you know, whatever. I forgot all the words that he said, but it was very, very powerful. And, and, uh, you know, at the end of that prayer, we thought we heard her saying amen. And, uh, you know, we're just thinking, okay, she's saying amen. And the interpreter said she is not saying amen. She is saying uh, leave her alone. Basically, she's mine. And I said to the interpreter, I said, are you trying to say that, you know, you heard, you heard a devil talking, a demon? And she confirmed, yes, she, she's possessed. And the and even though we were told as we were going in, and listen to this, we were told as we were going in, she cannot talk. She's unresponsive. She hasn't talked in a long time. But yet, when we get through praying, she starts talking. So in the natural, I'm thinking, it's a miracle because I don't understand what she's saying. But the interpreter says, no, no, she's not praising God. Yeah, she's speaking for the first time in, in Lord knows how long, but it's not her speaking. She is saying, this demon is saying, Leave her alone. You are distracting me, and you are distracting her. She's mine. And I'm going to tell you something clicked inside of me. Because if you're spirit-filled, and if you are part of the remnant, and you understand spiritual warfare, you understand that thing is real. And something clicked in me, man. The Holy Ghost rose up in me, and I said, time out. I'll never forget the exact words I said. Time out, time out. I said, are you trying to tell me there's a devil speaking to us, trying to intimidate us and tell us to shut up in this room? No, 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 that ain't going to work. Next thing I know, man, that, that Holy Ghost kicked in me. I'm down on my knees beside her taking authority over that devil, and I'm telling that devil to come out. And I'm going to tell you something. She was grabbing at me. She's growling at me. She's trying to pull me in towards her face. And I just, I, I knew and the natural didn't understand what I was saying. I was speaking in English. She's All she's ever known is Spanish or Quechuan. And so I'm praying for her, and I'm just speaking in the name of Jesus, that devil to come out. And I'm telling you, that devil come out. And she went from, from this just shriveled up, uh, angry, trying to pull people in and, and pinch people and bite people and all this, to the countenance, you know, just completely changed. Like I said, she had been unresponsive. She had not set up. Next thing I know, she was free. 
everybody in that room was just blown away because they saw the difference but before and after. She sat up in that bed, and she she had this peaceful look on her. She was she was crying. Uh, she was her whole the, even the wrinkles in her face sort of straightened out. It was just it was just an unbelievable thing to experience. There was no more pulling. There was no more growling. There was just weeping in the presence of God. Let me tell you something. We, we got to have some people that are not afraid to face devils when they rise up. Forget all this Hollywood stuff that they tell you, you know, had some head spinning around. Now, you'll see some crazy manifestations, but we, let me just tell you something. When the glory of the Lord is on you, when the power of God is on you, you don't let the devil take authority in that room. You don't, you don't let him take um, center stage. I don't interview devils. I don't, I, don't, I don't ask them their name and how many they are of them so they can put on a show in the room. I tell the devil to shut up. I tell the devil to come out in Jesus' name. Part of the Great Commission was not just to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but Jesus said, in my name you will cast out devils. Okay? How, where's the church that still believes in casting out devils? Where, where's the church that still believes in taking authority over demon spirits? Well, I'm going to tell you something where where they are in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm sure they're more than just at Solid Rock, but you can come down to 5050 Pins and Valley Parkway, Birmingham, Alabama, at a place called Solid Rock, and you'll find a church that still believes in casting out devils. All right? That ain't what I was coming to talking about, but I'm just going to talk about it right now. You know, the Bible tells us a story about this. Listen, one of my favorite stories in Scripture is about this young man named Samuel, and, and his mama, Hannah, was barren from birth. Now, I want you to get this. I want you to see if this don't parallel to our country here and, quite frankly, our world. But, but Hannah was barren, and she all she wanted in life was a boy, a child. And she was in her old age, and, and it was it, one of them situations where it was an po- impossibility um, because she was barren. She told the Lord finally. She got desperate. And she told the Lord, she said, if you'll give me a boy, I'll raise him, I'll nurture him, and when it comes time for him to be weaned off of my way of naturally providing nourishment for him, I'll take him to the temple and I'll give him back to you uh, if you'll just give me the time that I need with him as a young boy. And, uh, of course, the miracle happened. Hannah got pregnant. She had a son named Samuel. She raised Samuel, uh, you know, in his early years, until the place where he was able to be weaned from her breast, and we don't really know exactly what age that was, but it was obviously a very young age. Uh, we do know that it was an age where he could talk and communicate and walk on his own and all that kind of stuff because the Bible tells us that um, she, take, she takes him to the temple. She, agree, she agrees to follow through with what she told the Lord she would do. And she takes him to the temple, and there's a priest there that's the high priest at that time, and his name is Eli. Now, listen to this. Eli, he was priest in name, but he had allowed the things of the world to come into the temple. He had allowed the culture of the world to dictate to him and everybody else around him uh, how church was going to be. In fact, the Bible says he has two sons, and his sons are named Hophni and Phinehas. And Hophni and Phinehas are very famous in Scripture for not for good reason, but for bad reasons, in the fact that they, they offered strange incense on the altar of God, which is forbidden in the Levitical law, which is basically full of types and shadows of where we are right now, offering strange incense on the altar. There are some things going on in the church in America and around the world, but I'm talking about especially in Church of America that are strange, y'all. Uh, and I'm not talking about um, you know people 
acting, you know, a little weird. I'm talking about bringing in strange meaning, meaning not just strange in the sense of that kind of strange, but strange in the sense that it is um, not correct. It is not normal. It is not what is, it is not appropriate, I should say. That, you know, I heard a long time ago, uh, Dr. Rob Parsley, uh, spiritual father in my life, praise the Lord, uh, say these words. He says, the world has become so churchy and the church has become so worldly, it's hard to tell the two apart. Kind of get an amen there. I'm just telling you right now, I think I, I, think I deserve a little laugh, a little clap right there. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. And that is true. That is true. The world has become so churchy and the church has become so worldly you can't tell the two apart. Now watch this. This is what has happened. Eli had allowed the church to to become about the desires of man versus the desires of God. And he allowed his sons to create a sense of turning the church of the temple of God really into vile. Listen to what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times. Um, let, me back, let me back up. Let me back up. I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. Okay. So so you understand that Samuel, the young boy, has been taken there to this, this priest in name only. We've got a lot of pastors that are pastors in name only. Here's how you know when somebody's a pastor that he's a shepherd. That's what pastor means. He's going to fight for the flock, okay? But if he ain't fighting for the flock, he's just a hireling. He's looking for another better opportunity. First time he faces opposition, he's calling headquarters, getting another church, blah, blah, blah. That's not a pastor. Now, Eli has got the name of priest, okay? But he ain't acting like no priest. And watch this. Let me show you something. So Samuel's, Samuel's taken there. Uh and, and it says this, now the Lord stood and spoke and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel. Uh, I will do something in Israel. Let me back up. Behold, I will do something in Israel, as in both ears of everyone who hears it and tingle. And in that day I'll perform against Eli what I have spoken concerning the house to beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever, in which he knows. Now, I want you to hear something about, about the story of Samuel. Samuel, this is a word that he got after he, God had called him three different times by name. As a young boy, he's laying in bed. He's there to serve the man of God, Eli, because in his mind, he'd been taught by his mama, that's what you do. You respect the man of God. You're there to serve him. He's ready to learn. So this word that I'm reading now comes as a result of three different times God speaks to him and calls him by name, Samuel. First two times he runs into Eli and says, what did you say, Eli? Eli says, I didn't say nothing to you, boy. Go back to bed. But after that second time, Eli realizes that it's God that's speaking to him. And the Bible says that he tells him to go back on that third time, and if you hear the Lord call your name again, Rise up and understand that it is not me that is calling you. It is God that is calling you and say, here I am, speak. So that's what happens. So here we are in the third time. This young boy is getting a word from God about Eli. And he says, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to know. There's a day coming that I will perform against Eli, all that I've spoken concerning his house from the beginning to end, for I have told him, that I will judge his house forever 
for the iniquity which he knows because his sons have made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. Now, now watch this. The Bible says that Samuel, and it goes on a little bit deeper than that, really, really uh, telling Eli, tell, telling Samuel that Eli's house is about to be brought down. The Bible says Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he answered, here am I. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. And then the Bible says, then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Can I tell you something? There is a younger generation right now that God is speaking a word to. That is a word that is going to shake the religious uh, generation that's been around for a long time. Remember what Joel said in the last days of pour out his all, God will pour out his, his, his spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Now watch what else he says. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. There will be visions and words to this younger generation that is intended to shake up the older generation to cause them to dream about the things of how it used to be. I'm telling you right now, we are in a generation right now where fake is being exposed, y'all. Religion is being brought down. There is a rebuke coming to the house of God. The Bible says judgment begins at the house of God. The Bible says judgment begins at the house of God. Now watch this. We all want to preach about revival. But do you understand what revival means? Revival doesn't mean souls being saved. That's the harvest. Revival means revive, to take something that was dead and bring it back to life again. So I want you to know there is, there is a church that exists in America. And for the most part, the church is dead. But there is a remnant that is rising. And that remnant is, the, is basically like a Samuel. God is speaking to this remnant generation of what is coming, what is happening, and giving a bold word that is not just revival, but is also judgment. Now, watch what happens. When that Samuel generation operates in fulfillment, I mean, operates in their, their destiny and operates in obedience, the Bible says this about him. He says, and Samuel told him everything, hid nothing from him. As he said, it is the Lord, let him do what is good to him. And I love what verse 19 says. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And the Lord was with him and did not let none of his words fall to the ground. Did not let any of his words fall to the ground. I want you to say this with me. Samuel is a type of the remnant church. Eli is a type of the compromised church. We have two different churches. Let me tell you something. It's cut and dry, y'all. There is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. There is the Samuel remnant generation, and then there is the Eli compromised generation. This whole thing, this whole experiment that we've been trying for a decade or more now to become relevant, to become uh, where we can just be so, uh, so cool in the eyes of the world that the world will finally decide to come back to church, I, I think we all realize that's a fallacy. I think we all realize they're not coming back. If anything, people are disgusted by religion and, and, and fakeness and weakness they're seeking, everybody, the world is seeking the supernatural. 
You know what? They used to, when they seek the supernatural, they used to go to church knowing that, that they could get into church. But the church has left the supernatural world. We, we have been compromised, okay? The glory has departed from most churches. And the fact that, that they can't encounter a supernatural encounter with God in the local church, they have turned to other things. They are, people are unashamedly you know, witches uh, joining the Wiccan religion, whatever. No religion. You know, every time you turn around, there's a new study coming out. Less and less people believe in God. Well, that's not the devil's fault. The devil's not any more meaner than he used to be. That's the church's fault, y'all. The church has allowed the glory to depart. We've tried, we've tried to build our own kingdom instead of the kingdom of God. We've tried to build um, a church without the glory. And when the glory is departed, man, I'm going to tell you something. It ain't good. It ain't good. The story goes on to say that, you know, Samuel gets, grows up and, and gets stronger, and Eli's in his old age now, and there comes a war where Israel goes out to fight the Philistines. And when Israel goes out to fight the Philistines, you know, they're just so cocky because they're Israel, okay? They, they know that they're God's chosen people. So they go out there just expecting once again to win the battle, and they are decimated. They are killed. Israel, Israel runs for their life. They run all the way back. Watch this. They run all the way back to the camp. This is all in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and 5. And they get back to the camp, and they realize we've, we've lost thousands of people, 3,000 people dead. And in and, and the Bible, um, 4,000, excuse me. And Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come to the camp, uh, the Bible says, they they were freaking out. How did we lose? How did we lose this? How did we lose this? How did we lose it? I look at our country, and I believe a lot of pastors, a lot of and a lot of ministers, and a lot of fivefold ministry gifts are asking themselves, "How did we get here? How did how are we allowing our children to be taken advantage of, groomed and brainwashed the way we are? How did we get here? Oh, I know what it was. We forgot to take the Ark of the Covenant. We forgot to take the glory." Well, just because you realize that you forgot to take the glory, watch, watch, let's, let's just talk about it. The Bible says they, they thought, okay, what we need to do is go back into battle again. Here's how we made a mistake. Here's how we lost. And let's take the Ark of the Covenant with us. We take the Ark of the Covenant with us, we'll win this battle. So the Bible says they go back into battle again. I want you to listen to this. And they take the Ark of the Covenant with them, which is symbolic of the glory of God. Because he's got the mercy seat where the angels touch and agree, and, and Jesus, God's, God himself, would come down and sit on the mercy seat. That's called, you know, it was placed in the Holy of Holies. It's where the glory resides. So they took the Ark of the Covenant with them, thinking, we'll take the Ark, and there's no way we can lose the battle. Well, they lost in a horrendous way. And not only did they lose, the Bible says the Ark of the Covenant was taken. Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were in the battle. They were both killed. Now, watch what happens. The, so this, this battle is ending, okay? And somehow this young guy gets loose. This is all in your word, all in the word of God, in your Bible. And this young guy takes off running. He's got to tell Eli. He's got to go back to the house of God. So he runs back, and he tells Eli, and he finds Eli. The Bible says Eli is sitting on a bench right outside the gate of the city waiting to hear of how the battle went. 
Well, when when the runner comes up, he's you know he's covered in blood. He looks rough. He's he's the Bible says he, his clothes has been ripped uh, in desperation. He's got ash all over his body, which are the things that in those days and uh, times that they did when they were in despair. So he knew it was not going to be a good report. He asked him what's going on, and this young guy says, "Well, to be honest with you, it's been horrible. We've 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 suffered a horrible defeat." So he led with what he thought would be the most important thing to Eli. He tells Eli, your sons, Hophni and Phinehas, have both been killed. And, and you know, of course that saddened him. But nothing tragic happens to Eli. But then the next words that come out of his mouth, it says, now your, your sons, Hophni and Phinehas, have been killed. And the Ark of the Covenant has been taken. And when he heard that the Ark of the Covenant has been taken, the glory of the Lord had been taken by the enemy. The Bible says Eli fell off the back of the bench, broke his neck, and died. Okay? Now, in one day, Hophni, Phinehas, those that made the temple vile by offering uh, strange incense, by turning the church into something that is so worldly, you can't tell it the difference between it and the church. And the one that allowed it to happen, which was the older generation, Eli, he's dead as well. So the whole camp of Israel is in chaos inside the house, the home quarters of Eli and his family, is the wife of Phinehas, his daughter-in-law. She's about eight months pregnant with a baby. It's not time for her to have the child yet, but she's, the, the, the child is old enough that you know, would be able to survive outside the womb, but could be a very dangerous birth. She hears the runner comes in and tells her, she asks, what is the news of the war? So she, listen to what the guy says. The guy says, your husband is dead. Your brother-in-law, Hophni, is dead. And your father-in-law, Eli, is dead. Well, that was a tragic thing for her to hear. But nothing is triggered. Just like with Eli, nothing happened until the next thing she heard. And then she heard, and the Ark of the Covenant has been taken. And when she heard that, it triggered a, a childbirth. Her water broke, the baby dropped, and... You know, it became a scene where it was very obvious this baby was coming. So the midwife lays her down in the midst of all of this chaos on the same day that all this tragedy has happened. The Ark of the Covenant had been taken. So, so she, the midwife realizes that she's not going to make it. Uh, Phineas's wife is not going to make this, this birth. She's not going to survive it. So she's lost too much blood. She said, I know that you're not going to make it, but I've got good news for you. You have a son. He's born. That gives you joy at least to know before you go, you have a son. And the Bible says she refused to look at him. She was so distraught because of glory being taken, she was refused to look at him. And watch what happens. She says, what, they say, what are you going to name him? And, the, and she says something profound. The Bible says, she, she says, we will name him Ichabod. Ichabod means the glory of the Lord has departed. And she named her son, the glory has departed. And then she died. So here's this, here's this boy's come into this world with the name Ichabod, for the glory had departed. Let me tell you something, when the glory departs from a country, when the glory departs especially from a church, you might as well shut the doors because it's not a church anymore. Without the glory of the Lord, it's nothing but death and destruction. I'm telling you right now, the glory of the Lord has departed 
from some places of worship. Now watch this. I know that God is omnipresent. I know that God is everywhere. I'm not trying to say that, that you know, you got to be Pentecostal or you don't have the glory. That's not what I'm trying to say. Charismatic or you don't have to believe in the gifts of the Spirit for the glory of the Lord to always be present. The glory of the Lord is the favor of God, the power of God, I should say. It's the weightiness of God, and we have taken it lightly. And God is not going to let his glory dwell where strange incense is being offered up. Some of the stuff that's going on in churches right now, some of the messages that are being preached, some of the people that used to know the power of God, but now they've changed their message. They don't even believe in hell anymore. They don't believe in the rapture. They don't believe in tribulation period. Now, I'm not trying to say you got to believe in pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. Those I know those are not salvation issues. But if you don't even believe that there's eternity, if you don't even believe that there's that there is a place being prepared for us by the Lord, then I wonder, you know, what what are you what are you even doing? Why why are you even in the pulpit? That is Bible. That is scriptural. And I'm going to go as far as to say this, too, and I'm going to be bold and say it, too. If you don't believe that God is still moving and working and interacting with mankind, that that there's that he's not still healing, if he desires to heal somebody's body, you know, and, and there's not a spiritual warfare going on where demons need to be cast out and freedom needs to come to people, man, what Bible are you preaching? Okay, but now watch this. They, the glory departed, and the Philistines took it, took the Ark of the Covenant. They thought, they was, oh, man, my, look at us. Look what we did. Look what we did. And you know what they did? They, they put it in the same room with their God. Their God was called Dagon. Their God was, was basically half fish, half man. You know, the symbol of the church is a fish. And, uh, you know, how, how perfect of a symbolic image of that is, is, is the you know, paralleling to the world we live in now where, where man wants to, uh, call themselves, you know, they want their church to be called a church. It's on the sign. They got a steeple, they got a cross, all this kind of stuff. So they got a little bit of the fish in them, but the part that's really making it happen is half man. So the, the bottom torso of, of Dagon was a fish, almost like a merman. Okay. And, and then the top part, I should say the torso, the top part of Dagon was a man's torso, arms, face, and everything of a man. So half fish, half church, half man. But the, but the one that was in charge was man. So, so when the glory departs, you start trying to think that you got the rights to run the church and run the house of God. So, so they put the ark in there with this Dagon uh, God. And they shut the door and they all go to bed and they're all just excited and rejoicing that, that Dagon has won. They open the doors the next day. You know what happens? The Bible says Dagon had fell off of his uh, pedestal. He's just a, a statue uh, made out of stone. But but he was off of his pedestal and he was laying on the ground before the Ark of the Covenant. Well, you know, you're like, okay, must have been a something happened last night, earthquake, whatever. Let's stand him back up again. So they stand at Dagon back up on his pedestal, shut the door and go to bed again. And the next day, the Bible says, when they opened up the door, Dagon was not only fell again uh, before the ark, but his head had been cut off or broken off and his hands had been broken off. See, when the glory of the Lord is placed in a room or placed in a, in a, in a moment against, quote, unquote, the glory of the world, the world's going to be decapitated, okay? The devil has no power when it stands before God. The devil cannot equal anywhere. He cannot be on the same playing field with, with God, and God's not going to share his glory with anyone. So he removes the head, symbolic of saying, you know, my church 
I will be the head of my church, removes the hands. Hands are what is used to make war. Says, you know, you don't have to worry about this. You know, I'm removing the ability of the enemy to make war against you. But I'm also removing the authority of this so-called devil, this so-called God. Because the glory of the Lord will be shared with no one. Now, all that to be said, I want to say this as we get ready to close. Is that we live in a nation that has propped up Dagon. They have propped up Baal. Uh on and on and on, I could name these gods of the Old Testament that the same spirit that was on them is on us today. We have a world that are that is just absolutely bloodthirsty. I'm going to say it like it is. Uh, for the right to kill children, we have an assault against the creation of God. When you're talking about gender, we have an assault against the, the creation of God called the family. Everything that God has laid out in Scripture is systematically being broken apart in this country and in many places of the world, and it is all ultimately a direct shot against the creator of it all. Now, it seems like it's impossible to turn around. It seems like it's gone too far to ever change. But the reality is this. The same entity that allowed this to happen is going to have to be the same entity. And I use that word like because I can't think of a better word now. As you'll understand in a minute. The same entity, the same structure that allowed all this mess to happen is going to have to be the same entity or structure that stands against it. That is the church. There is abortion because the church allowed there to be abortion. There is no prayer in school because the church allowed the prayer to be taken out of school. There, there is a redefinition of gender because the church allowed there, there to be a redefinition of gender. There is uh, a, an assault on the family. A, re, a rebuilding of what a family means because the church stood back and let it happen. And it's all because we have been offering strange incense on the altar. And quite frankly, most churches have taken out the altar to begin with, period. They, they don't even have an altar anymore. They don't have a place where people come and repent. They don't have a place where people come and encounter the presence of God. No, because they, you know, that's not good for television. That's not good for social media. That's not good for your your desire to be relevant and not shake anybody's feathers, upset anybody. But we have been offering strange incense on the altar for so long that God just says, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to, my glory is not going to reside there. So there's going to be a remnant that's going to be able to be in my glory. I'm going to allow my glory to sit down and wait and just uh, inhabit the praises of my people, not the people that pretend to be my people. And the enemy in this last day, as this remnant rises, is being decapitated of his authority. He's, his hands are being removed. His, his head is being removed. The church is rising up. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Am I hopeful for, for the world? changing quite frankly i'm being honest with you not really because the bible tells us that everything that we see happening was already going to happen i mean there is a great falling away there is a you know the fake christians are being revealed you know when you drive by churches and you see uh, during gay pride month you see them changing the whole sign and putting putting banners out there uh with the rainbow colors 
I mean, it should be great to see the rainbow colors because the rainbow is a sign of God's promise. But, of course, in our day and age, you see a rainbow flag, you see rainbow colors, you know what we automatically think. And I know they're trying to say, you know, we love you and you're welcome. Well, I agree with that. Every single person should be welcome in your church. I don't care if there's two men married together against uh, with each other, two women married with each other, um, whatever their pronouns are, whatever. They should be welcome in your church. They're welcome in my church, you know, but just like those heterosexual couples that are living together in sin, um, having sex outside of marriage, that's just as much sin as, as, as gay sex is sin. Heterosexual sex outside of marriage is sin. That's the Bible. I don't care. I don't care if you like it. I don't care. You know why I don't care? I care about you. And I care about the word, but I don't care what you say when, oh, how can you say that's two consenting adults? Well, who cares? The reality is this. I don't care what you consent to. You either believe the Bible or you don't. The Bible says it's sin. Now, there's an altar there. It's a, so if your church has an altar, if your church still believes in repentance, if your church still believes in the power of God, then, I, then whatever situation you're in, you can come to the Lord and the Lord can will forgive you and you know what else the lord can deliver you the lord can heal you the lord can restore you and the lord can rebuild you all you need to be is in the presence of god jesus said no man is saved unless to be drawn by the spirit you need to get around a place where the glory has not just depart not departed but returned or alive okay i'm just stirred up to that i'm just i just feel like i just need to get on here and just talk about Restoring the glory when the glory has been departed. The glory has departed for the most part in this nation. But there's a remnant of people that are experiencing it again. I'm telling you right now, they really are. So say this with me. I am remnant. I will walk in the glory. I will not offer strange incense on the altar of God. When the glory of the Lord is present in my life, I am going to receive it into my life. That's what this show is all about. The remnant rising. Amen. So I call this late night post mission trip ramblings of Larry Raglan. It's not ramblings. It's scripture. Are y'all hearing me? Rise up remnant. Share this podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast. Invite somebody to check it out. The more people we get that thumbs up button, the more people we get sharing and commenting and subscribing, the faster we can change the world for Jesus. We're big picture, y'all. That's why it's called the big picture. We ain't giving up. The glory may have departed, but for some and for the remnant, The glory has returned. I'll see you next time on The Big Picture with Larry Raglan. Peace out. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Big Picture Podcast. We hope it helped you, encouraged you, and empowered you. Please consider leaving us a review on your app of choice and share with family and friends. And remember, we ain't woke. 
But we are certainly awake.